0: They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome, useless eaters, to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, deep political policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, I have an awesome guest this week. I am so excited. I've been following this guy for several years now. And before I found him, I really didn't know anything about the subject we're going to be speaking on. And it's just, uh, he's a wealth of information. I've never come across any other source that had so much information on the subject. And that subject is the Jesuits. And the person I am talking with today is none other than Johnny Cerucci. Hey, Johnny,
1: thanks for joining the show, man. Oh, m it is my distinct pleasure to be here. I, I've been tracking you and, and your work uh, since we've been connected for quite some time on, on social networking, man. So I'm excited to be here. I
0: appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm on you know some of these other shows and a lot of people mention the Jesuits and they you know they're really interested in. It's kind of like uh, the Freemasons. You know that that whole conspiracy has been kind of in the uh, in the zone for a long time, but the Jesuits have been more hidden, and people are really starting to wonder about them. And I think they're slowly but surely catching on, at least in the alternative uh, news community. That uh, they've played a big part in history, and uh, I think that that's such a great thing that you're bringing to the attention of of the people because it's the hidden history, the history that is so rich. And uh, I'm super excited to have you
1: on, man, to talk about it. I always put it this way, that if you think about it, the whole reason why we're here, alternative media, air quotes, is to to tell people that we, we have an audience that questions things. And they come to us looking for answers. Okay, so I'm not buying this whole idea of the elections actually being uh, done. Actually, people people voting and the votes being lawfully counted. And they, these are real people that just happen to get into politics. I, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying the official story on the moon landing. I'm not buying the official story on the Kennedy assassination. I'm not buying the official story on nine 11. I'm not buying the official story on the coronavirus at, at varying levels. Of course, they may say, well, okay, yes. Yeah, so we went to the moon, but how come we didn't go there since 1969? How do we have the technology to go there in 1969 and not return? Uh, other questions at varying levels of questions. And so they they turn to us and say, so If I'm questioning this, what are the answers? And I usually tell people, we'll start with your intuition. And your intuition will tell you that, okay, if there is an ultimate elite, they're not nice. I would use the word malignant. And they have a tremendous amount of power and a tremendous amount of wealth and resources. And they're aware of you, and they don't like you, and they don't want you to be aware of them. Therefore, that which is common knowledge, when people ask the question, who's really running things, I think it's safe to say, could be a smokescreen, almost certainly a smokescreen. You, you look up on the internet, who's running things behind the scenes, Rothschilds and Rockefellers. Okay, why was that so easy to find? Is it because they wanted you to find it? Is it because these are are proxies that are targets and maybe even considered expendable by who's really running things? And they are. They haven't been touched, but they're still expendable, which is why they've been put up. I found this in particular in relation to Uh, the so-called Jewish conspiracy, the Jewish or Zionist conspiracy. It's just too easy to find prominent bad people with a Jewish name and ethnicity. And you really need to ask the question, why is it so easy? Why is mainstream media a venue that cannot be counted on to tell you anything? of value to yourself. Why are they reporting on Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, Maybe there's something else. Why is it that in so-called conservative media, which is really no better than mainstream media, the bad guys are people like George Soros and nothing more than that? Why is it that for instance, you have the role of religion, and the only religions that never come up are Judaism and Islam, particularly on on the right. They make excellent targets, but they still leave a lot of questions. And this is this is part of of my journey and how it is that that I got to where I'm at.
0: I, I agree with everything you said. It's They put these things out there for the public, you know, for public consumption because they they would like to divert our attention. And especially what you said with conservative media, that's something I've been telling people for a long time is is look at these conservative talking heads. I listened to Rush for years. And, you know, once I kind of, you know, quote, unquote, got woke, I hate to use that term, but, um, you know, kind of realized the way things were. You know, I instantly realized also that he never talked about any deep subjects. Like he never even mentioned the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, he wouldn't touch Bilderberg or, uh, you know, he wouldn't even talk about the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers for that matter. You know, he it's all this surface level stuff that they throw at you to kind of keep your attention kind of, wrapped up in the, you know, in the Democrat versus Republican, Pelosi versus Trump type things. And it's, they just give you enough information to keep you upset. And that's about it.
1: Yep. That's my background too. Oh, I remember it like it's yesterday. I was several, several bad experiences I had with with so-called conservative media. One of them was listening to Jewish conservative Mark Levin and a Ron Paul supporter came on the show Now, these are all carefully picked by call screeners, by handlers. uh, And uh, Ron Paul supporter came on the show and mentioned the Federal Reserve. Now, Ron Paul is controlled opposition. He is complete controlled opposition. I have it from a source. I don't know how trustworthy this is because the source is also controlled opposition. There's an accusation that Ron Paul is a high Freemason that spent a tremendous amount of time in Rome, actually living in Rome. But uh, I don't have any corroborating sources on that. Of course, you know, that would be devastating to Ron Paul and his family. And, And as a quick aside to show that Ron Paul is an utter farce, is his mantra was audit the Fed, audit the Fed. Are you kidding me? If anything that we know about the Federal Reserve is accurate, we need to burn the Fed to the ground. We don't want to audit the Fed. We don't want to simply look at the books and allow the Federal Reserve to keep going. It is a criminal enterprise that has bankrupted the average American. We need to burn it to the ground. We need to put everybody involved on trial, not audit the Fed. He's complete controlled opposition. And also the game that they play in Congress is if you have total control this is the same thing that happens at the Supreme Court. You can map out critical votes, and you can have assets, and um, and even agents. You can dole out to them. Okay, in the Senate—that's that's the American Senate, not the Roman Senate. No, no similarity whatsoever. Believe me, trust me. In the Senate, we need fifty-one yes votes. Here are the people that we have to have, and we're gonna and they start linking up names. Okay. Now we have 49 votes that we can give out, hand out to our phony proxies, our our phony whatever, phony Republicans, phony conservatives, and then they can have a show of being against something that passed anyway. And this is how easy it is for so-called Dr. No, how easy it was for so-called Dr. No to continuously vote against things because they didn't need his vote and they much more needed him for propaganda. So I uh, remember it like it was yesterday, Jewish conservative Mark Levin just destroying this Ron Paul caller on the Federal Reserve, just hammering. Well, what are we supposed to do? What, who is supposed to do the Federal Reserve's job? Nobody. Nobody said we needed a national bank. We did quite well without a national bank. For a very short period of time, Freemason Andrew Jackson destroyed the central bank and, and in the process suffered through, I think, like two or three assassination attempts yeah he, he himself being a freemason and and he still figured he was he was probably too cocky had a little bit of the john f kennedy in him he was going to be a president even though he was selected to be a president he he didn't like just being a puppet so uh and, and the same thing with with uh with rush limbaugh is a great example as as really the premier in so-called conservative um media has a lot to do with how, how I got to where I'm at. And I know you wanted me to, to share this with your audience, and I will, a little bit of my background. How did I get here? And it had a lot to do with the conservative media. Um, being born and raised Italian, Roman, Catholic, we were, still are, as, as a family, um, right-minded, what you might call conservative. That's their, the, the, those, those terms, conservative and liberal, these, these are controlled terms. They're given to us to use to uh, insult or marginalize, to marginalize those with right-minded values. That's because right-minded values are the most dangerous to a feudal slave system. The values of living for something more important than your selfish motives, your family your faith, your, your nation, the desire to uh, live, as the Christian Bible says, by the sweat of your own brow. And you, you value things outside of yourself, such as life. You, you, you're selfless versus selfish. And I, I hate to say it, but that's really the basic divider between what is called left and right. So we're slandered as conservative, meaning stuck in the mud. They are they are promoted as liberal and progressive and open-minded and free thinking. Meanwhile, this is this group is far more closed-minded than those with uh, right-wing values. But as a result of, of that background, I gravitated. It's pretty easy, it was even easy. You know, back when I was growing up, 20, 30 years ago, could grieve for my 30, 40 years ago, um, to see the level of deceit and propaganda coming from so called mainstream media, always, always with a left leaning bent and sometimes a far left bent. And so I gravitated towards the so called alternatives. And was over time, pardon me, disappointed by them. And a couple of events really brought this to a head for me. And, and with my background, I ended up going to the military and, and doing that for 20 years. And, and, and in hindsight, I'm really sorry that I did because of a lot of reasons. And I can get into that later. But um, I, there, there were really two events. That that pushed me away from so-called conservative media, and that was the advent of the Barack Obama administration and the supposed killing of Osama bin Laden. I realized right away, and and one of the things that has oh, had always rubbed me wrong. I was a bit of a populist, I guess. Can we call it that? Again, it's we're using their terms. Populist is bad because. You're going along with the popular agenda. You're not really thinking for yourself. That's not true, but it, it just describes my desire to do what's best for the citizenry. And Limbaugh was always in for big moneyed interest, in particular big oil. And that would always upset me. That would always press my buttons. I uh, drive down the street and see three or four completely different gas station big oil gas stations selling gas for the exact same price all the way down to a 10th of a penny using the, the, the uh, propaganda deceit game of charging something for 99 cents and nine tenths of a, of a penny. Okay. It's not the full dollar. It's 99.9. How stupid am I? It's a manipulation. It's a form of manipulation. And it's all the same price, which means that our critical resource of so-called fossil fuel in and of itself, another show, a critical (laughs) resource is being manipulated by an oligarchy, a rule of the few. And the clown that supposedly is representing me, Rush Limbaugh, is all in for them because they haven't made enough billions and trillions. So even before the the Obama administration and the bin Laden killing I, I I was not a you know lockstep conservative media guy and it was as soon as I realized that there was something very shady about Barack Obama that none of the mainstream talking heads were covering that was the beginning of the end for me that was when I started to look elsewhere for information and, and how to stay plugged in. I was, I was still in the service in 2011 when they supposedly, SEAL Team 6, supposedly burst in on Osama Bin Laden, shot him on sight, and dumped him in the ocean. Then we find out one guy was Robert O'Neill was one guy that supposedly killed, him. And then another, two different SEALs wrote two different books about how they really killed bin Laden. What, what is going on? Then we find out from mainstream sources that the so-called, what is it, situation room, whatever they call it, well, well all those Luciferians in there and Robert Gates and Obama and Biden and Hillary Clinton are on. Hillary Clinton with her hand over her mouth watching Osama bin Laden be killed. Leon Panetta, I think, was in there. All these names have a, a common Jesuit thread, by the way. Turns out that that was faked, admitted by mainstream media. You got background information. You got stuff like, oh, let me see, you know, the picture of, of bin Laden, the, the yeah. brutal, bloody picture, also being admitted by mainstream media to have been fake. Well, I was still in the service at the time, and I found out uh, from my, my commanding officer who had connections in the special operations community, came to me and and kind of come on in door close the door told me uh, privately that um, the official story was BS and he got it from the special forces, the special operations community from really I say special operations to be specific, really special forces connections. The, The difference between special operations, and special forces is huge. Special operations includes, includes administrators, logisticians, drone pilots, on and on special forces, is the much more specific guys out there, operators pulling triggers and so forth. So, big difference. For instance, um, Aquino was special operations. That fat clown wouldn't know how to pull a trigger unless one was pulled on him, and it's too bad. Supposedly, he's recently died. Uh, Another reason why I'm glad to be out of the military, where ridiculous clowns like that in their eyebrows can make it to lieutenant colonel, (laughs) and and I get forced out at, at captain. So um, absolute, absolute joke. So that was the process. And I had had a background of both journalism and and blogging. I wrote for the university newspaper when I went to college. And so I've always been very plugged in. And as a result, I learned something in going to school and, and growing up, how to win arguments. And that's never to just have an opinion. That's always to... Uh, present cited facts as proof of what you believe. And that has served me well. I, I feel it has served me well because I don't have a lot of criticisms along the lines of, oh, that guy's just making stuff up. That guy's, that guy's completely full of poop. He he doesn't know what he's talking about. I got my books average. I got four books out and they average 700 pages and over a thousand citations. So nobody's out there calling me a liar. Nobody's out, out there calling me just, you know, a, a, a fantasy nut job, tinfoil nutter. Instead, they just pretty much ignore me. <laughs> so um, that's, that's the one way to, to, get, to, to, to um, mitigate the information. But in this journey of looking, I was not satisfied. You see guys like so where do I go from from Rush Limbaugh? We're talking macro here. We're talking you know, who who are big names that the average person would go to. Okay, Rush Limbaugh is not doing it for me. Who else? Who who's going to deal with some of these topics that that Rush Limbaugh wouldn't dare touch like like so-called chemtrails or or fluoride in the water or you know, what what is this there's a uh, bo- Bohemian Grove. What is that? Okay, so there's this guy named Alex Jones out there who's talking about this stuff, but he's doing it in a fashion that you're looking at him as, and asking, "Are you serious?" With all the antics and gesticulations, and it almost seems like you're trying to mock me as a listener, and and you're trying to discredit the subject matter with over the top antics. So stayed with Alex Jones for a while until, as I say, his, his antics drove me to continue to look again. And I I happened to come across in my podcast search someone that was seemed very knowledgeable. And, and I hate to, to mention, well, I'll go ahead and mention them and also explain. I was blessed to meet this individual repeatedly. And personally, and I am now convinced that he is, works for them, and may very well be an incognito Jesuit priest himself, a guy by the name of Eric John Phelps. Heard him on uh, an interview on the Doug Hagman show, and later found out that Doug Hagman was a Jesuit seminarian himself. Oh. Uh, got that audio clip. And wow. one show just one show that he did. And he blew me away with his facts. Now I don't just sit there and listen. I, I take notes, even, even in my off time, even when I'm not blogging, even when I'm not writing, I, I, I despise being manipulated and that has served me well. And I also verify everything that I hear to the best of my ability to take the time, whatever time I have. And so I was looking things up and, um, you got a guy like Eric John Phelps making crazy claims such as uh, there's no such thing as atomic weapons and the Jesuits in Hiroshima and Nagasaki manipulated and manufactured the devastating effects of the so-called atomic bombs. And um, so that sounds out of this world ridiculous crazy and yet i find don't find really a lot of information in relation to the idea that that atomic weapons don't exist but i do find evidence that the atomic bomb race was heavily manipulated uh thoroughly salted with scientists that have a jewish ethnicity that there were Jesuits, particularly in Hiroshima, that supposedly miraculously survived. And just by coincidence, one of the Jesuits in Hiroshima in 1945 would go on to become the superior general, the top Jesuit, the so-called black pope. To me is powerful evidence that the official story behind the atomic bombs being dropped is manipulated and untrustworthy and almost certainly manipulated by Jesuits. Then you go on and have an Italian Roman Catholic, a powerful success story in Hollywood, supposedly run by Jews like Martin Scorsese doing a movie called silence, where we're all supposed to have extreme sympathy for the poor Christian evangelists that were Jesuits back in the 1600s. And we all, I'm sure, are familiar with the term gaslighting. Gaslighting is basically the complete and total inversion, the illogical inversion of reality. White is black, black is white, very Freemasonic, very Gnostic. Um, And in the movie Silence, the most evil bad guy Japanese talks with this ridiculous voice and lisp and he's known as the inquisitor. <laughs> <laughs> well wait a minute. I thought the Jesuits ran the Inquisition after they took it over from the Dominicans. I thought the Japanese didn't have a clue what an Inquisition was. Why is the super bad guy in silence an inquisitor? And why did he talk like this? That's because you're being manipulated to the point of total gaslighting. Hmm. Nagasake in the movie, the last port city that the Jesuits were evicted from. Why were the Jesuits evicted from Japan and kicked out from the port city through the port city of Nagasaki? Because the leadership of Japan found out that these were not Christian evangelists. These, these were spies and subversives trying to overthrow the uh, Buddhist authorities, the, the homegrown authorities, and replace them, with Catholic authorities, and they were told to stop, and didn't stop, and then they were evicted, and then when they were found to not have left, then they were arrested and tortured. There's the big picture from silence that Martin Scorsese left out. So, looking this stuff up, I was shocked to see. Now, Another very important factor in my growth and how it is that I got here was that in college, a dear friend of mine brought me to his non-denominational evangelical church on the uh, the premise he had fooled me. Excuse me, I was complaining about being single, and he had got me to buy into the propaganda that Christian girls are the absolute best to date. So I said, all right, you know, I'm not really not into this. I don't want to go. I'm happily non-practicing Catholic, but I'm desperate. I will go to your church, scope out your girls, and, and that's it. I'm only doing it once. Right. <laughs> and so um, I went there, and it was shockingly pleasant. It was a shockingly pleasant experience. I had not expected that, having having been through endless, countless Catholic masses, Stand here, kneel here, make the sign of the cross, shake the person's hand, go up for holy communion, uh, sort of half kneel for the benediction, and race to the way out. And I could probably still, to this day, go through a a particular mass. It's religion by memorization. Hated it, very boring, and so didn't want to con- continue that experience. Uh, was was very annoyed to see how pleasant this other experience was. I mean, they, they had a coffee shop, they had a bookstore with some some kind of interesting titles in there. I had always wanted to know, being right-minded in my values, I was gravitated towards uh, what I thought was a Christian faith and and the idea that the Bible was the word of God and had the ultimate source of truth. But it, it was a bunch of nice stories, and some of the stories were kind of ridiculous. And but I never, I tried to read my Catholic Bible, my Douay Rheims Bible. It never really got into it, and I think the Douay Reams was also written in in Elizabethan, what I call Shakespearean gibberish, and so it made it even harder. At least my Douay Reams back in the day was, and so I, I just didn't get it. And I'll tell you this: this pastor, and I'll give out the name, and I and I will tell you again, same thing. Although, in a to a lesser degree, I believe this movement is also very controlled, very co-opted by Rome, the Calvary Chapel movement. I don't know for sure. I, I would say my personal experience with this pastor, Pastor Skip Heitzig, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I would say I can't even say that name without without coming up with a, just a warm, overwhelming feeling. I don't think. I don't. I don't think Skip um, willingly. Well. I can't speak for him. I would say that, that in my Christian experiences, Skip, of course, also being a former Catholic, never once in his, his church, a phenomenal church, a really life-changing experience. And, and, I, and I, well, I would consider that the source of me becoming a born-again Christian. And I tell people tongue-in-cheek and not really, really not so much tongue-in-cheek. I was a Catholic before I became a Christian. It's sad, but it's true. And, it, and it's not really a joke. Um, And yet, I would say probably as a result of, of Chuck Smith and the movement as a whole, I don't know of anyone in the Calvary movement that calls Rome what she is, the fourth and final beast, the great whore of Babylon, the beast unlike any other. And so that would be probably institutional. I don't know if they go through a process where they're told to do this. Hey, listen, we want to link up with our allies in the Catholic Church. and We want to win them over, so we're not going to say anything negative about them. Well, what happens when we find out that Rome and the Jesuits rewrote our Bibles for us? What happens when we find out that Rome erased herself, Jesuit-controlled Rome has erased herself from our eschatology? That's the, the doctrine of, of prophecy, of, of end times things. And they're not really end times because they've been going on since the beginning of our church. And that also is part of of Jesuit propaganda. Look up the name uh Francisco Ribera, the father of futurism, that is Christian understanding. 95% of all Christian pastors teach Jesuit heresy. That is that we have no idea who the antichrist is. He's going to pop up somewhere down the road. He's going to sign a 7-year contract with Israel and break it three and a half years through, and then there's going to be Armageddon. That is all Jesuit heresy. That has nothing to do with Scripture. A close, educated reading of the books of Daniel and Revelation clearly shows, if you read Revelation 17, there's only one culprit that you can, the great harlot dressed in scarlet and purple, drunk on the blood of the saints. No. Entity has slaughtered, tortured, destroyed more Christians, more copies of the Word of God than the city state of Rome. It is no less the the crowning glory of a satanic agenda, of an agenda of whom we Christians would call Satan, Lucifer, the adversary, to erase himself from our knowledge, from the very book that should be telling us who he is and and the mechanism that he needs. Now, he is incorporeal. He works through another dimension. He has to have proxies in this realm, and he does. He's got a tremendous structure, system, and it is the Catholic Church, the Vatican. It has transformed into a beast like the previous beast. Our, our, our knowledge of the four beasts of Daniel 7, the, the four medals of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel 2, gold, silver, uh, bronze, and, and lead. They all, we all know that they represent four empires, and then we suddenly stop short after Rome. Okay, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. What, what, what? How come the Bible is so silent about today? What is today? Where is today in the scripture? Well, Rome never fell. Rome transformed into a beast unlike the previous beast. Prior to, prior to the transformation of military Rome, these empires needed to control by putting so-called boots on the ground, a soldier on every street corner. Well, that's expensive. That's expensive. When you run out of soldiers, you can't control anymore. Well, there is an empire that licked that problem. She uses other nations' soldiers. And she co-ops and subverts the nation's mechanisms of control with her own agents. And she does it in a way that is far more powerful and effective. The use of religion. And I will tell you, as a born-again Christian, I am very passionate that religion is of Satan. And if you are a Christian or want to be a Christian, then we're talking about a personal relationship With Jesus Christ, we're talking about nothing to do with religion, which is uh, a system of traditions. And there was only one God-inspired religion, and it was purposefully inspired with flaws, probably because there's no such thing as a flawless religion, to point towards that which is better, Jesus Christ. And that's Judaism, by the way. And Judaism was done away with in 70 A.D., as was the nation-state of Israel. The recreating of the nation-state of Israel has nothing to do with with Christian prophecy, has nothing to do with the Bible, has nothing to do with so-called promises towards Abraham. The the recreating of the nation-state of Israel is a complete and total Roman-Vatican farce to distract you. If we weren't talking about Jerusalem, we'd be talking about Rome. There is no role, zero, that the so-called nation of Israel plays in Christian eschatology. That's been changed forever and permanently by the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, forgive me, non-Christians, I always say this because I want to reach out to as many non-Christians as possible go into this because this is important to what the Vatican is doing, the role, the agenda. And I, as a Christian, this affects me personally. So this is all important. And even if you're not a Christian, these, these are things you should know as to how it is that we're here. And, and really, O.M., I, I, can, I can stop here and give the big, big picture that I'm sure a lot of people have never heard this before. You want to go down that road or, or keep going where we're at?
0: Hey, just keep going where you're at, man. That's, yeah. I'm loving it.
1: Yeah, so Rome realized, and, and really this does lead into the big picture, how religion controls. So we as Christians feel that, well, I would say more than feel. I would say it's pretty solid doctrine that most, most Christians, most well-educated Christians would, would agree with. Christ put religion to the cross and gave unprecedented freedom to those who have a relationship with him as a result of his sacrifice. Unprecedented freedom. And human beings enjoyed that for about eh, three, four hundred years. And then a powerful force reinstituted the control of religion. And repackaged it. Now, we have this persecution of Christians right away from the Roman Empire. I guess you could say Nero was, was really one of the worst. An absolute monster, an absolute monster, will take whole Christian families, wrap them in tar and burn them alive and, and, and put them in this, his garden, like, like lighting fixtures. Can you imagine that? Women and, and, and children being burned alive and then having their, their charred corpses there. That's your garden. What an absolute monster. So this is Rome. Okay. This went on until the advent of an emperor named Constantine. And we have what is supposedly Constantine's vision. Rome is now splintered, and he leads one faction. And he supposedly has a vision of a Christian sign or symbol. And even that sign or symbol is is not thoroughly agreed upon. But he instructs his soldiers to take this sign, this Christian sign, and put it upon their shields and they would conquer in Jesus Christ in the the name of this sign and the Battle of Milvian Bridge. They did. They won. And Constantine was able to reunite the Roman Empire. And I have to tell you, after all these years and after all my research, I still, (laughs) the jury is not in on Constantine. For me, Constantine may have melded some some sun worship in with Christianity, or he may not have. Uh, One thing is for sure, Constantine immediately stopped some of the worst pagan practices. That is child abuse, child sexual abuse, and child sacrifice. Constantine would go on to take over pagan shrines and confiscate their wealth and, and apply it to the empire. Well, to me, I, I don't mind any of that. I don't mind any of that. And there are, there are various sources that say certainly his mother maybe even his father were, were converted Christians. That's not really where the big trouble starts, with the exception of Constantine getting, getting in on Christian doctrine. That, that was the beginning. Constantine feeling, I'm, I'm the emperor, I'm a Christian, I am going to arbitrate on doctrinal issues. Well, that sets the stage for a centralized authority. And that is the easiest way for not nice people to take an organization and steer it in the wrong direction. So I would say, if anything, Constantine's centralizing of authority in Rome was the beginning of bad. However, I, 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 I still to this day can't tell you if he was a sincere Christian or not. He may very well be. We'll find out. We Christians will find out in due time. But it was Theodosius I, that really caused trouble, making Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire by empirical decree, that really started the trouble because Rome was very much a pagan empire with a lot of very bad pagan doctrines. And these pagan doctrines were not wiped out. They were melded in. And basically, the pagan doctrines remained and wrapped up in Christian trappings. So now you have things like pilgrimages to sacred places. We have worship of the mother and child. We have worship of the dead. We have communication with the dead. Prayers for the dead. We have the purchasing of spiritual favors. Indulgences. um, Which is, oh my goodness, it is known as... um, Simonism. It, it, there's a, there's a term related to Simon Magus as the first one to try and do that. The the, the uh, a Simonism is it? What is it?
0: I think that uh, what you were saying about uh, Theodosius. Uh, did you say the the second Theodosius the uh, second was the one who made Christianity the state religion in Rome? I think that's important for people to remember because. You know, your average person would say that's Constantine, and I just think people should get that one bit of information correct because that is an important thing to remember. There's so many things that people don't know uh, about that time period or about history in general, and I always uh, hear people say it
1: was Constantine that did that, but that is incorrect. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm that is a, an important agenda for me, and for that specific reason, he did not. He did not force this syncretistic melding of paganism with Christianity, which just makes it that much harder to understand who he was. Augustine right. is another guy. Augustine is another guy that, that, for me, the jury is out, and I'm leaning towards, because he, he really predates what we know today as Catholicism, and he seems to have gotten a lot right, as does Constantine, seems to have gotten a lot right. So you wonder, are the things that they got wrong were, were not, uh, were, uh, you know, honest mistakes, as it were? Had they realized that these things that they're doing, the centralizing of authority, did he understand that he was creating a paradigm that would allow evil forces to come in and, and Take over Christianity. Did, did he understand that? And if he did, would he have walked a different path? Who knows?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it is important to keep that straight. And uh, very soon it was, I guess, Justinian in I want to say 538 A.D., that is an important line of demarcation recognizing the so-called bishop of Rome as corrector of heretics and bishop of bishops. This continued to centralize authority. You had this intermingling of emperors also holding this authority, becoming the great Pontifex Maximus, the the builder of bridges. So you have the, the split of the Orthodox Church, and then the destruction of Orthodoxy, Constantinople by the Ottoman Turks, Um, good grief, like a thousand years later, but for the, for the most part, the power and control and, and really a literal dark ages for a millennium, a 1000 years from roughly 500 AD to 1500 AD, Christianity is abused is misdirected by this syncretistic pagan religion with Christian trappings, now known as Catholicism. And it was in the 1500s, we had the advent of an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther, who had a heart for the people, and knowledge of scripture because he could read latin which is which was common for the clergy the catholic church had forbade the promulgation of the scriptures and and that should in and of itself tell you where the vatican comes from on this issue because there are some pretty clear scriptures that would say oh and and by the way the institution of a of a clergy of a priesthood, the reinstitution of a priesthood. Also, what we Christians would say unbiblical. We have one priest, one advocate, one intercessor, and that's Jesus Christ. And we ourselves, through Jesus Christ, are both priests and kings, not in the um, in the order of uh, Levi, but in the order of Melchizedek that through Christ, we wield the unprecedented dual authority of both high priest and king. Well, religion crushes that again and reinstitutes the clergy. No, you need a go-between. You need an expert for you to confess your sins to. And I was going to use, uh, I'd gotten off track, and I wanted to use the um, metaphor of a very well-known, devout Roman Catholic fantasy writer named John Ronald Reuel Tolkien. Now, we're all very familiar with The Lord of the Rings, and we know who J.R.R. Tolkien is, but very few people know that he was a very devout Roman Catholic. We might say that for another well-known writer who was both a Catholic and a Freemason guy by the name of arthur conan doyle whose full name is actually arthur ignatius sir arthur ignatius conan doyle Wow! he actually has has two middle names and one of them is of the founder of the jesuits ignatius loyola for some reason om nobody knows this nobody knows that The great creator of the character that we have seen—I think, as a matter of fact, I believe Sherlock Holmes is in the the Guinness Book of Records for having—I can't remember the number—between two and three hundred different actors portray this character across plays and movies, and one of the most portrayed in, in, in all of entertainment history. And nobody knows that the creator was both Catholic and a Gnostic, Freemason. And his one of his two men, by the way, Conan Doyle is not a hyphenated name. The British were the start of hyphenating names to show you how much blue blood was in their mommy's line as well as their daddy's. This became important as feudalism was promoted and continues to be promoted to this day how we have People Magazine promoting the so-called royals is actually a Vatican agenda. Because if you accept the ridiculous feudalism of Britain, then you will also be warm towards the centralized authority of Rome. The same thing with Christ Mass that has nothing to do with the winter equinox and solstice, December 25th, and everything to do with um, paganism that encourages you to lie to your children. Now, I don't want to make this a, a referendum on Christmas and why you should not. No, we we I I put some lights up this year. I didn't go crazy. It, it, it all starts with your mind and your heart. The biggest problem I have with Christ's Mass is I don't go to Mass, number one, and number two. You shouldn't be lying to your kids. No matter how fun and inoffensive it seems, it is insidious because it makes you accept not just a lie, but an entire reality paradigm that is false. You immerse your children into this ridiculous, false reality of this supposed Saint Nicholas, who has divine powers to see all and know all and deliver presents to all, well, from there, lying to you about a host of other things is suddenly more acceptable. Calling calling pseudoscience science, fabricating your your history, fabricating your very reality. So, and I don't want to go down that road, but anyway, to, to explain that. So 500 years to 1500 years, we have the complete and total control and the dark ages of Christianity where Rome had blacked out the knowledge of the scriptures to Christians. And the only ones allowed to have access to this knowledge were the clergy, which were on, in and of themselves, as we Christians would say, unbiblical. Unbiblical, as is the entire process of confessing your sins to an expert. Absolutely unbiblical. The Bible clearly states in Matthew and James, That when you harm someone, you humble yourselves before the person that you harmed, and you bring what you felt after honest self-examination in contrition and repentance before Christ himself. Nobody else needs to be involved. And that is not what we have with Catholicism. We have a tremendous power structure. The, the basically the body of Sauron, to continue to use Tolkien's metaphors, if not for the nervous system, the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, the mouth of Sauron, that is the Catholic Church, our adversary would be a very hard put to control human beings. But with the power of the Vatican, it is Mystery Babylon. A, an unbelievable level of power and control, and yet you can't see it. That's what a mystery is. The confessional is one of the, is, is the spinal cord of this machine, of this structure, of this system. And the more you look, as I as I found this out, and I got this my my so called Jesuit red pill from Eric John Phelps, and just by coincidence, Om, oh just by coincidence, he lived ten minutes away. Wow! Continued <laughs> to reach out to him. He finally acknowledged me, and we started getting together. And then I found out that he's got these weird quirks. He's got this push for racial separation basically white supremacy that does a lot of harm to this message He has some odd personal habits that i won't really get into that came across when i spent time with him and it almost seemed to me at the time that he was putting on an act which unfortunately is a standard for the jesuits to get in front of truth and steer it in an unhealthy direction to an unhealthy extreme. Now, with this individual, Eric John Phelps, there's something more going on because he's too good at it. He gives phenomenal insider information so that by the time you get to him discrediting himself with racism or with Jesuit eschatology, he promotes futurism. He promotes Zionism. He promotes Jesuit eschatology. And I says, well, yeah, but it's it's different. Well, how is it different? Uh, Well, there's 14 different kinds of Zionism. What? No, there's only one kind of Zionism, and it has no purpose in the Christian Bible. Galatians 3 says very, very specifically that old Israel is the Israel of the flesh. And new Israel is the Israel of the Spirit, just like John chapter 6. The Israel of the flesh is is gone. There, There are no promises that apply to a bloodline. It is the mystery of the gospel that God deals with us on an individual basis since the cross. And it is wonderful. It is is miraculous. I can't think of a better system. There's no one that is condemned and there's no one that is saved based upon circumstances outside of their apparent control. It is on an individual basis. There are no promises that hold to a bloodline. There are no curses that hold to a bloodline that's over and above the whole Nephilim thing, which, by the way, is heavily controlled by Rome and the Jesuits and the Vatican as a point of distraction. There, there may be something to that. I'll guarantee you there's something to genetic manipulation much more in human hands than in inter, interdimensional hands. But these are, are symptoms. Rome, the Vatican, is the root. And let's get back to 1500 and how Christians had been living for a millennium, a thousand years in darkness, unaware of, of what their own scriptures told them. And about this time, as the scriptures, not about this time, throughout this time, as the scriptures leaked out to rank and file Christians outside of the clergy, they would be brutally mistreated. It was back in the 1300s that that a Catholic priest and monk named John Wycliffe copied the scriptures, had the scriptures copied by hand. This took years to accomplish. Gave them to his students who were misnamed and slandered as Lollards because, oh, they didn't work for a living. All they did was evangelize. That's Catholic slander. To go about and evangelize across the British countryside. A a true born-again evangelist. When Catholic authorities, authorities came upon any of the followers of Wycliffe Sharing and handing out Bibles, they would tie the Bible around the evangelist's neck and burn them alive. And this is before the advent of the so-called Inquisition. No entity, no entity has slaughtered and tortured more believers in Jesus Christ than the city-state of Rome. Certainly military Rome, but absolutely religious Rome. John Fox's Book of Martyrs has been completely co-opted and watered down, and it's still filled with powerful, disturbing examples. As controlled and watered down and rewritten and rewritten as it has been. And we have Christians to this day who have never heard of Fox's Book of Martyrs have no idea why it was written. Written as a testimony against the crimes of Rome, the Vatican, the so-called Christian Vatican. Talk about gaslighting. There's no such thing as a Catholic martyr. There is no such thing as a Catholic martyr. And I will wager, I say that tongue-in-cheek, the vast majority of, and of any rare, prominent Catholic who was killed for being a Catholic was usually killed by Catholic authorities. Oh, and John F. Kennedy leads that list, by the way. So it was with the advent of this <laughs> upstart, this guy was serious anger issues, and, and I resemble that insult. Martin Luther, who in particular with the idea of, I'm sure it's called Simonism, another word for it is Simonism, indulgences, the buying of of spiritual favors. There was a Dominican monk, and prior to the Jesuits, the Dominicans were the special forces, the attack dogs of the Vatican at the time. Named Johann Tetzel, that was making his way through Wittenberg and using and abusing the citizenry, the ignorance of the citizenry, and convincing them to give up money they could not afford to do things like the two young parents who had lost their child to sickness, their infant to sickness. Convincing them that the soul of their baby was in purgatory, but for three months wages, the Pope would be happy to pray their infant's soul out of purgatory and into heaven. Wow. Oh, no exaggeration. No exaggeration. And he would actually put on a play to really push this manipulation having actors portray souls in purgatory and actors portraying souls in hell. and So this was the basis of the 95 Theses of Martin Luther. All of these questions pertaining to the illogic of indulgences. And by the way, the Pope at the time, uh, it upsets me that his first name was Giovanni. Giovanni de' Medici. Leo Tenth. All right, guys. That
0: was the first half of my show with Johnny Cerucci on the dark history of Catholicism and the Jesuits. Johnny is a wealth of information, and he can... That That was nothing, honestly. He's got so much more information. He can tie... Jesuits, through all kinds of different historic scenarios, and, and they had very important places in these scenarios, but part two is even better than part one. He gets in the, into the Medici family, which if you don't know, they were very important throughout history, and they've nearly been written out of popular pop culture history, but he gets into them and the true history of the Rothschilds and so much more. And we really get into the more modern history of the Jesuits and there are people right now in the spotlight for the coronavirus who are playing a pivotal role, a bunch of them, who happen to be Jesuit educated, right? Or have Jesuit Jesuit ties. So we get into that and we really explain that. And so I implore you to listen next week when I drop that episode. And also... I was on the tinfoil hat show. I got to be on their main show. It was pretty cool, man. They're they're great. Sam's hilarious. And so if you get a chance, go and check that out. And also, once again, I want to ask you to please, if you feel so led to do so, uh, say a prayer and keep her in your thoughts. My friend Stephanie, who's going through cancer treatments right now, she's taking her third round of chemo, so she's having a really hard time. And if you can afford it, Go on the GoFundMe link, which will be in my show notes, and help her out a little bit if you can. Other than that, I can't really think of too much. I did a show with the author Ken Ami from TrueFreeThinker.com. Ken was fantastic. Uh, We talked a little bit about his newest project, uh, his newest uh, book series, but also we just kind of uh, talked uh, about conspiracies and lesser known history and lesser known uh, biblical facts and different things like that. And we uh, dished the dirt on Jordan Maxwell and David Icke and a little bit of uh, Zacharias Itchen. And so if you get a chance, listen to that. I will drop that in a couple of days. And uh, other than that, I think that ties, ties everything up. I appreciate you guys listening as always. And remember, guys, Their order is not our order. See ya.